the kill, and Warner wins the set. Fade away by Moores. In play with Craig Maddock, made possible by the exclusive support of Lake Area Technical College. It is you. Welcome to another edition of In Play. I'm Craig Maddock. Early in my teens, my high school built a brand new tennis court. I only lived a half a block from the tennis court, and shortly after it was built, I was there a lot. I wasn't very good. Frustration set in, and then I decided to play basketball instead. Maybe if I had worked harder, I'd be like today's guest. She was one of the best at tennis in South Dakota as a player and a coach. A Sioux Falls, Washington grad in 1972, she had two state singles titles, played college tennis at Utah State, transferred to Augie, coached Washington High School girls tennis, and then coached the Lincoln Boys tennis team and won five state titles with the Patriots. She's in the South Dakota Sports Hall of Fame and the South Dakota Tennis Hall of Fame. Joining us on in play from her home in Arizona, Chris Dummermuth. And Chris, if I had you around when I started tennis, I might have become something. But uh, thanks for joining us anyway. (laughs) It's my pleasure. You know, you grew up in the McKinnon Park area in the late 60s, and McKinnon Park was pretty popular. Well, it still is pretty popular when it comes to to tennis and and events. You were probably uh, 13 or 14 at the time or so. How did you become a fan of tennis? back in the late 60s? Well, um, I had an older brother and sister who played, and actually my older sister, Carol, took lessons from John Simcoe at um, Menlo Park in Sioux Falls. And she was the first one in our family that really took an interest in tennis. And after that, my brother got interested, and we moved three blocks from McKinnon Park, and that became the hangout, the summer hangout. And we would play all day, and it was co-ed, and we never really had lessons. We just had fun. So is that where all the kids met, and how many kids were there? Did You had to share the courts. Oh, we had, well... <laughs> Some families you'll probably recognize. The Bowen family had about six kids of their own. (laughs) Um, The Clayton family had about five kids of their own. Uh And then there were the Ogburns and the Reagans. And and everybody just came to the courts, and we all played. Did you try out uh, for any other sports um, when you were a teenager at the time? (laughs) Did I try out? (laughs) Oh, that makes me laugh. Well, when I was in school, it was pre-Title IX, and so girls could be cheerleaders, which at six foot, I, I didn't kind of fit the mold, <laughs> so to speak, and um, you could run track, and I'm super slow, as my family will tell you and all of my opponents, and you could do gymnastics, and again, a six-foot gymnast isn't very common. So no, I didn't try out for other sports. We didn't have basketball. We didn't have volleyball except for intramurals. So how much time did you actually then spend playing tennis to, to craft, to, to craft the game? Well, um, we played all day, every day in the summer. 
but then we did not belong to, um, you know, anywhere where you could play indoors in the winter. So it was just a summer sport for us. Who was your high school tennis coach at Washington? <laughs> well, that's an interesting story. Uh, my high school tennis coach on paper was Don Grevin, who is Hall of Famer. Yep. Right. He's a Hall of Famer and he's a wonderful guy. And he was kind of head of the rec program in the summer and love him dearly. But honestly, I we never had practice. Um, he did with the boys, but I never had a practice. We just went to state. And I, he was never at state hmm. when when I won my two championships. So it's it's kind of it was a a weird beginning. <laughs> Who were some of the players you looked up to as a younger player when you got got to play at Washington? When I started playing at Washington, yeah. oh my goodness! Well, first of all, my first tournament was was when I was in twelve and under in the summer, and we went over to Rochester, Minnesota, and I was schooled by a gal named Maggie McNeil. Uh, I mean, she beat me 0-0 in about 10 minutes. <laughs> but I, I, I was so grateful for that because when I got off the court, it was like, I want what she has. So she was really a motivator for me without even knowing it. Um, and I got to play her later on then and, and was was much more competitive. But so that was one I looked up to. Marcy Wormley um, was from Sioux Falls, and of course, she never had the advantage of playing high school tennis, but she worked with a summer program, and she was awesome. And I would say that she was a huge influence. Another one was Joni Griffin, who came out of convent, the convent. She was going to become a nun, and she came back, and before she took her final vows, she worked for our summer program, and she was a very, very good player. She's she's a Hall of Famer as well, and um, she spent a lot of time with us when we were young. So I, I would say those were my main influences. You won two state singles titles. When was the first mm -hmm. one? Well, the first one was in 1970, but, but actually the year before, um, as a sophomore at Washington, I played my sister in the finals, who was a senior at Lincoln. Um, and she was able to cho choose to stay at Lincoln because she was a senior. And because I was a sophomore and they changed the boundaries, I had to go to Washington. And there, were, there was no exception. In fact, I went crying to my parents, and I said, I can't. I've got to go to Lincoln. Craig went to Lincoln. Carol went to Lincoln. That's my brother and sister. And they looked at me, and they said, look at the opportunity you have. You'll meet all these new people. And they didn't buy into it at all. <laughs> Lincoln wasn't very old at the time. It had just opened up. Um, it opened it, in 68, I yep. think. So what was that experience like taking on your sister and uh, were you easy on her uh, that time? <laughs> it was really different. We played um, the, the state tournament was in Yankton that year. And 
this is a true story. I, I rode with a golf team and they dropped me off at the courts and I had no coach, no teammates. It was just singles then. And, um, so we played through, we did it all in one day and I ended up playing Carol, my sister in the finals and she beat me and my parents were there, you know, watching, but it was, it's, it's so much better now. I, I think these girls are so lucky with how things have evolved over the years, but it was fun. It was thrilling at the time. What kind of um, a player were you? Were you an athletic player? Were you a, a mean <laughs> player? I mean, what, what kind of player was were I you? athletic? <laughs> um, I was pretty much a baseliner, I would say, because I never really learned how to play net until I was in my 20s. Um, nobody really encouraged women at that time to go to net and play doubles and be aggressive. So, but I did have good ground strokes. So, and because of my height, I had a decent serve. Well, how about that first title? What was what was that first title, and who'd you play? The first title, um, I played Lori Hunter from Madison. She was a very fine player. And I believe the tournament was in Madison that year. Um, and I, I couldn't tell you anything about the match other than I won. <laughs> How about the second title? Um, I think I played Maureen Donahue in the finals, and she was from O'Gorman. And for some reason, I think that was also in Madison that year. And Maureen was was a nice player, um, but I don't remember anything about the match either, <laughs> other than I won. Well, certainly tennis back in the early 70s, 1972, not at all like today where colleges are looking for athletes to come play for them in all sports. You decided to go to Utah State uh, for college. Why Utah State? Well, I don't even want to tell you. Um, I went to Utah State because I wanted to leave South Dakota. I wanted to go somewhere I'd never been, and I wanted to go somewhere that I could afford. <laughs> and that was one of the more affordable colleges. And I stayed there a year. Uh, it was culture shock for me. Um, it was kind of what I would call a suitcase college. And I had to work during college. I had a work-study job. Um, in the PE department, I had to sketch and print visual aids when they still had um, overhead projectors <laughs> for the professors there. Uh -huh. And so everybody, I say suitcase college because everybody there was a skier. And they would leave on weekends, but not me. I would stay and work. And so it was really different. And, of course, it was very Mormon culture there, which was new to me, being a South Dakota Lutheran and everything. So, No tennis? No tennis at all? Oh, yes. I did play tennis. Okay. All right. Um, but it was the first year they had a program because Title IX had just passed. And the coach knew nothing about tennis. Oh, no. Um, oh, no. And so she, but she admitted as much. And so she was pretty much our driver. And she, um, 
she didn't think that anybody in South Dakota could play tennis. <laughs> and I, I remember her not being very uh, favorable to my um, effort oh. at first. Oh. But I did, I ended up playing number two. And um, our number one player was from California. And she was a non-traditional student. She was actually married. And her husband was a diver in the Olympics. And um, so she was coming back and finishing her degree. And she was a very good player. And it was very fun playing doubles with her and learning from her um, that year. We didn't do very well. We played... Even though it was our first year, we were playing schools that had very established programs like BYU, mm -hmm. Arizona State, um, even University of Utah, and we just got killed. <laughs> but it was it was quite a baptism. <laughs> this was about 1973, and one of yep. the biggest events in man versus woman occurred. Billie Jean King beating Bobby Riggs in what they called the Battle of the Sexes. How did you react to, to that in 1973? It was a huge event. I don't know. It was Billie Jean is amazing to me. Um, all the different things that she has done for tennis in general throughout the universe. Um, she's amazing, and she just keeps on going. Um, it was a little too commercial for me, the match itself, but there a lot of showmanship yeah. with Bobby Riggs, wasn't there? I've never been a, a big fan of like exhibition matches or things like that because they just seem not real. But um, it's amazing. She she is amazing. I'm a big fan of Billie Jean King. Big fan. Yeah. So here, after one year at Utah State, you decide to transfer to Augustana. No women's tennis program there, but you joined the men's tennis yeah. program who well, coached you into joining the men's team well that was an interesting story too i actually it wasn't a straightforward transfer to augie i was all set to go to arizona state my older sister was playing there i had been accepted we had the car all packed we're ready to go but in my heart i really didn't want to go there <laughs> i um they had a very um good coach, uh, Ann Pittman at ASU, but I just knew that it wasn't a good fit for me um, coming down here. So the night before we were all loaded up to go, I told my parents that I really didn't want to go to ASU. And to their credit, they didn't flinch. They just looked at me and said, well, Chris, what would you like to do? <laughs> and I was hoping they would tell me what to do, but they didn't. And I said, I don't know. I just know that I don't want to sit out a year. And so I said, well, maybe I'll go to Augie for a year and figure it out. And so Carl Grevelis came over to our house that night and got me enrolled at Augie. And... I went to Augie, and I finished at Augie then. But as far as going on the men's team, I, you know, I had grown up with a lot of the players. Um, Randy Kokendurfer, uh, Greg Wilcox, Bruce Manis. And I think it was, to me, it was a matter of they thought I could help out the team 
And they were the ones that kind of instigated me coming and playing. Um, I didn't try out or anything like that. I just, it's, that's really how it happened. And they were very welcoming to me and, and we helped each other out. Did anyone turn their heads when they saw they're playing Augie and they saw you warming up uh, when you would play <laughs> a college match? Yeah. There were some there were some interesting things. Um, I Oli Odney was our coach, and he was their basketball coach at the time. And Oli is one of the sweetest men that have ever walked the face of the earth. And I think it was real nerve wracking for him having me on the team because he didn't quite know how to uh, approach me. Like, and and it was embarrassing for me too because. We'd travel, and when we were, like, at Northern Iowa at the conference meet, I would get my own room. I'd have two double beds. I'd have my shower to myself. (laughs) And the other guys would all be crammed into one room, (laughs) one shower. It was just, it was awkward, very awkward. But, I mean, the guys were always so nice. To me and and very welcoming so I have no complaints there Oli had a tough time even knocking on my door to make sure I was up and ready to go <laughs> I could tell he was just kind of would softly knock you know and I'd open the door and I go I'm ready coach and he'd, <laughs> he'd kind of jump back <laughs> he was uh, a great guy you played college doubles once in a while with Dave uh, Dummermuth yeah. uh, your future husband okay how did that relationship get going well, you mean the relationship or our doubles? <laughs> uh, probably morphed from one to the other, didn't it? <laughs> well, Dave is a year older than I am. And the summer of between my junior and senior year in high school, I had a job out at Westward Ho, and I would string rackets and help with lessons out there, or do whatever they needed so that I could get some indoor court time during the winter. and. Um, Dave, I was out there practicing, getting ready for a tournament in Minneapolis. And Dave walked on my court. I think he was just shagging balls in Skunk Creek with some buddies, <laughs> softball. And uh, he walked on my court and he goes, I could beat you. And I looked hmm. at him and I, I was intrigued, <laughs> offended but intrigued <laughs> at the same time. So I said, you're on, buddy. And I went in and got a racket. Came out and we played and I've never laughed so hard in my life because Dave is, he's very, was a very good tennis player when he could play, but he wasn't a tennis player. He was just an athlete. So he would run anything down. He would (laughs) jump over the net, jump back over the net. And so after that episode of laughter and fun, um, Anytime he wasn't playing baseball or I was in town not at a tournament, we would get together and just play. And he was actually great practice for me because every ball came back. So then we knew each other when he was in college. And um, we had played a lot of tennis and we had already started dating by then. So He had to have proposed to you on the tennis court. Did he do that? On the tennis court. Did he do it? No. Oh, here I thought, what a comeback story that could have been. (laughs) (laughs) It would have been good, but you know what? That was 
pre every I say everything was pre Title IX. Well, this was pre the elaborate proposal time. Because <laughs> uh, you know now everybody has to have some elaborate proposal. Your most memorable moment of college tennis. I would say um, Dave had gotten hurt. Well, that was memorable too because we were up at McKinnon Park. And I don't know if you remember the cement courts that were the, that used to be there that were two-tiered. They had like three lower courts and mm-hmm. three upper courts. Mm-hmm. And we were playing Northern Iowa. And it was so cold that Coach Odney had bullion in the um, Gatorade thing. I mean, hot bullion. <laughs> and... Dave had gotten himself a cup of that. He was he was hurt. He had um, hurt his shoulder in spring football, and or broken his collarbone. So he was in a like a harness or a cast, and he leaned down to get a cup of this, and someone said, "Look out!" And he looked up, and a guy, the guy from Northern Iowa's first serve went right into Dave's eye. <laughs> which oh. caused it to hemorrhage and oh. so and we're in the middle of match or Dave isn't playing but right. the rest of us are so Dave has to drive himself with one eye and one arm to McKinnon Hospital which is just a couple blocks away and he was there for a week so that that oh. blood could drain out he had to lay flat for a week so that was one memory, but the other memory, which is is um, more pleasant, um, because Dave was hurt and somebody else was hurt, Randy needed a doubles partner, Randy Kotendurfer, who was clearly our number one player. And we were playing North Dakota, and we were playing Tim and Tom Wynn, who are notorious up there. They're North Dakota, Dakota Hall of Famers, and they both teach and coach up there still to this day and um randy told Oli that he wanted to play with me and i was so nervous and we were playing court one uh center court at mckinnon upstairs and we won the match and it was phenomenal uh, that i will never forget after college you become a teacher did you teach at washington I taught at Robert Frost Elementary. What did you teach? But then I taught at Whittier Junior High. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to see what it was like to open a new school. So I was at Memorial Middle School for my last 15 years of teaching. But you coached uh, the girls' tennis team first at Washington. Uh, what was right. that transition like from going from playing the game to coaching the game? I wasn't ready. I was I was 21 and my number one player at that time was 18 and I had a lot to learn as far as uh, how to handle some of the psychological things that come up Um, because I was always pretty self-sufficient on the court and I was always pretty positive and I guess I didn't realize that other people thought those things I've heard that before. Um, I've heard that, too, from coaches who were successful playing a particular sport and then trying to teach that sport to someone else like they would play the game. And and sometimes that would be tough. 
Yeah. And it was, that was an eye opener for me. And um, I actually coached girls five years. And I, I just thought, no, this isn't for me. And then I took a break. And then um, Lincoln needed a boys coach. And I thought I was ready then. I talked it over with Dave, and Dave was really encouraging. You should do this, you know, yes. I knew it wasn't going to be easy because Lincoln had had kind of a revolving door of coaches for a couple of years there, and that's hard on any program, I think. Um, so I went in with my eyes wide open, and the first first two years were tough. But then things started to turn around. Why did it turn around? Well, you know, <laughs> my my goal the first year, and you'll laugh at this, was and remember I said they had a revolving door of of coaches for a while and it was nobody's fault really but um my goal was to get them to tie their shoes and to show up for practice <laughs> I had two goals that first year and it was a fight it was a fight I'm not going to lie but you know what's right and you think you can get them to a place where they'll start believing. And then we started to have some success and success breeds success. And I had good kids every year. That helps. That, that helps too. Yes. Six titles over what? 11 years at Lincoln. Well, we had eight state championships. Which total. one stands out the most to you? You know, they were all special. They were all special in their own way. One of my favorite memories, I guess, is that I had so many brothers. I had the Christensen brothers, three of them. I had the Simcoe brothers, two of them. I had the Kiner brothers. I had the Chu brothers. And it became such a family affair. Um, the Krieger brothers, I had three of them. <laughs> and they were all good, too. They were all good. You know, you played yeah. a lot of uh, amateur tennis, you know, in the 80s and yes. the 90s. You you played a lot. You won a lot. Mm -hmm. Was there ever thoughts of, of turning professional at one time? Was there at <laughs> I all? Couldn't even, I couldn't even carry their water. Um, <laughs> no. There were never any thoughts of that. But let me tell you, I had so much fun, and it has carried over to even now when I'm approaching 70 and I'm down in Arizona and there's such fun tennis here. Um, I can play every day. Um, there's every level available to you. It's just so nice. You've done so much for tennis in Sioux Falls and across the state. Yeah. You live in Arizona. You're still playing tennis. You know, tennis is still going strong in South Dakota, but you know what? Pickleball has emerged in the last few years to keep people playing a little bit longer. Are you playing any pickleball? You know, it's funny you ask that because a couple summers ago, um, I've, ha I've had surgery on both my knees, um, just meniscus, but um, I was having trouble with them and I really couldn't play tennis. So I went down to Riverdale. Is that the park uh -huh. in Sioux yep. Falls? Yep. And Still there. they have walk-in pickleball where you just put your paddle in the fence and when they have an opening 
the next paddle goes in. And I knew no one. And I went down there and I ended up going every day because it was so much fun. And you'd play like for from eight in the morning till 11. And you played a variety of people, a variety of levels, and it was really fun. And I really got into it. But since I got back to Arizona, I've uh, I've been playing a lot of tennis, and I find when I do both, my knees suffer. So <laughs> right now I'm sticking to the tennis, and I, I figure I can always do pickleball. Yep. And it's growing in Sioux Falls, too. Pickleball is, is pretty popular. Uh, yeah. two, la- two last questions for you, Chris. One, okay. you played college doubles with your husband, Dave. Do you guys oh, still yeah. talk once in a while about certain matches that you played, the ones you lost, and... The matches you won. <laughs> well, we're an interesting twosome. We we actually were doing very well. In fact, we were undefeated until Dave broke his collarbone in spring football. So that ended our – we had a good chance to win our flight at conference, but we weren't able to play. Um, Dave would always tell you the story about how we were both going for the same shot. And we ran into each other. And he, he claims that he's the one that got knocked down. Um, but it's not true. But that's what he would say. Um, but we had a lot of fun playing together. But he was always so, he always gave me a play by play of why he was doing what. And I was like, just be quiet and play. <laughs> Last one. What does it mean to be in the uh, South Dakota Tennis Hall of Fame? South Dakota Sports Hall of Fame, what's it mean to you? You know, it means a lot, but it's, it's not, you know, I, like everybody says, and I know it's cliche, it's, it's not about me. It's, I've had such great mentors, and I have had such great players to work with, and I've spent so much time on the court, but I've loved every minute of it. And one of my biggest thrills this past weekend was I was reading the uh, articles about the girls. Well, now they have two-tier system at, at state. And I noticed that a little girl from Harrisburg, Emma Rangel, um, won consolation at flight one. And she did very well in the doubles. And she got the Spirit of Max Award. And I just was elated because when I went back to teaching for the park, um, about five years ago, just for a couple of years, she was one of my park players. She would not remember, but I remember her, um, and she was cute as can be. And, of course, she's had a lot of lessons since then. But I'm just so thrilled. It, it's a thrill to me to see that she is playing and succeeding and so on. And she's just one example. And that's the fun part of South Dakota Tennis. In Play with Craig Maddock, made possible by the exclusive support of Lake Area Technical College. It is you. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us gain new listeners. This has been In Play with me, Craig Maddock. This is a production of South Dakota Public Broadcasting.